First, let me tell you about Blaze Socks. Yeah, yeah, because you demanded more socks. Remember the Let's Go Brandon socks for Christmas? Sure, comfortable, stylish, best of all, hilarious. Uh, Now we've got some great socks. Uh, We have the Klaus Schwab You Will Eat Bugs socks, which are very, very good. Uh, You have the Glenn Beck Put a Sock in It Joe Second Amendment socks uh, that I think you're really going to like. You can also get uh, drink covers. Uh, and uh, if you uh, if you buy both sock packages, we'll throw in a free bonus set of socks and an additional set of drink covers with a discount off the full purchase. All you have to do is just scope out the socks at crazy, crazy web address. Hard to remember. BlazeSocks.com Just go to BlazeSocks.com Get them for the person that likes to laugh. And that person just might be you. BlazeSocks.com Radio show begins here in just a couple of seconds. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. If you like great action thrillers, uh, there is a book called The Terminalist. It's a series. Really, really great. Uh, And a new series now on uh, Amazon Prime. It's the adaptation of The Terminalist. It has Chris Pratt in it. If you haven't seen it yet, it's excellent. Uh, I read the book after reading or after watching the series, and I think the book is better. It usually is. But the series is really great as well. The guy behind it is Jack Carr. He used to be a Navy SEAL, uh, led special operation teams as a team leader and platoon commander and troop commander. And, uh, you know, he's he has walked the walk. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to world events. I want to talk to him a little bit about the terminal list and also where he got so far in advance the the deep state uh, plot line in the terminal list. We talked to author Jack Carr in 60 seconds. Don't know if you heard it or not, but there is a recession going on. Yeah, yeah, no matter what you call it, a rose by another name would still be a rose. Uh, Yeah, you can call it an economic transition or something. Whatever it is, saving money right now is a really good idea. But there are some things that you really should have, such as protection when you're online. Cyber thieves are everywhere, from the dude living in his mom's basement all the way to the dude living in Vladimir Putin's basement. And you can't take a chance. Uh, Right now, you can get 25% off your subscription to LifeLock. It's top of the line in cybersecurity, with both preventative measures to keep you safe. I mean, they can't watch everything. 
Nobody can, but I think they're the best in the business. And if they miss something, you have access to a restoration team. Uh, if you do end up having that problem, it's not a problem because they're there. It's a fantastic deal on something you really do need. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year with the promo code BECK. Promo code BECK. LifeLock.com. 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. It is a thrill. I've been looking forward to this for weeks now. Jack Carr, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? Oh, thank you so much. I sincerely appreciate you having me on. It's been a uh, been oh, you bet. time since we last spoke. It is crazy what's going on, isn't it? <laughs> it is, both in the world and then uh, in, uh, I guess, in, on my journey here with the show and uh, the books and everything else. It's gotten, uh, it's gotten fairly yeah. busy, but I feel uh incredibly fortunate yeah well you are and you are uh it's i mean it's your hard work and your storylines uh when you when you got a call or did you pitch um uh amazon prime and and chris pratt signed on how'd you feel yeah, so it came about in a strange way that I am told is not the typical Hollywood story in uh, that I wrote it first, got it to Simon & Schuster. They loved it. We got a two-book deal in place. And before the book even comes out, I get a call from a SEAL buddy who I hadn't spoken to in five years. And he calls me and he says, hey, do you remember me? And I said, yes, I remember you. And he said, do you remember what you did for me in the SEAL teams? And I said, nope. And he said, you were the only person that as I was getting out of the military, sat me down, talked me through transitioning into the private sector. You introduced me to people outside the military and then you followed up with me to see how I was doing. Nobody else did that. I always wanted to thank you. And I said, no problem. How's it going? And he said, well, it's going great, but uh, I heard you have a book coming out. And of course I said, yep, it's coming out in a few months. I can send you an early galley copy if you'd like. And he said, I'd like that, but I'd like to give it to a friend of mine. And I asked him who that was. And he said, Chris Pratt. And I thought, wow, that's convenient because as I was writing this thing, I thought of Chris Pratt playing the main role. And I thought of that really before his rise to A-list prominence, before Guardians of the Galaxy, before Avengers, before Jurassic World, because I saw him as lovable Andy Dwyer on Parks and Rec. And then I saw this transformation into a SEAL operator for Zero Dark Thirty. So I saw that transformation, and I knew that he hadn't done anything like this yet before. And I thought, this is an actor that needs to take a risk and do something like this. And I think I had read somewhere that maybe he leans to the more patriotic side of things, which is a little different for uh, me in Hollywood. (laughs) So I thought, this is the right guy to bring this story to life. And so my friend Jared Shaw, who also is now a producer on the show, technical advisor, and plays Boozer in the show, he gave it to Chris. Chris read it. Read it. He read it the last week in December of 2017, called the first week in January 2018, wanting to option it. So off we went to the races. He's a great guy, isn't he? He's a great guy. He is. He is. He's a normal guy, somebody you'd want to sit down and have a beer with, have a coffee with. Yeah. Uh, and he brought this energy to the set that was so encouraging uh, and so inspirational each and every day, bringing his A game, which really filtered across all 350 people working on that set. And I had so many people come up to me and say that they had been on hundreds of Hollywood sets and none of them had felt like this. And that's all due to Chris that's Pratt, who was the director up there at the top, being so encouraging and positive and just creating this environment that made everybody want to bring their A game every single day. So it was a, it was a thrill to see it brought to life. So let me ask you a question as a writer. James Reese, uh, the Chris Pratt character, finds himself in the middle of this conspiracy. Um, uh, and it, well, a lot of us would call it the deep, the deep state. 
Um, and it involves high members of the government, the DOD and private corporations, pharmaceutical companies. What gave you that idea in, I think you wrote, wrote this in 2018. So it was before the deep state was really talked about openly. Um, where did that come from? So it came out in 2018, but I started writing it in December of 2014. So um, uh, that's when I the paper for the first time. But uh, I'd always been drawn to conspiracies, thrillers my whole life. I've been a, a fan of the thriller genre, uh, also of movies and television yeah. shows that had that theme, that conspiratorial element, but also that underdog who the system is just stacked against, who rises up and crushes his enemies. Um, and I wanted a character, a modern day character who would go into battle thinking he was already dead. So he was free from societal norms and laws and he could just uncover this conspiracy and essentially become the insurgent that he'd been fighting for uh, the previous, if it came up now, 20 plus years, yeah. uh, and bring those home to the front doorsteps of people who have been sending young men, women to their deaths for, for 20 plus years. Uh, so, yeah. but I really got, I went back and I looked at the church hearings. I really looked at the end of World War II and the shift that occurred at the end of World War II. Um, and people should uh, go back and listen to Dwight Eisenhower's speech, not just the one line that everyone always talks about, but the entire speech. And then look at what was yes. happening in the defense establishment and the intelligence establishment. And then what, what happened in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. And then what was what was out in the church hearings in the mid 70s exactly exactly because yeah. what happened in the church hearings yes a lot of abuses by the federal government were uh, exposed but what do people like that do then well they adapt and so that adaptation has been occurring ever since the church hearings yeah. uh, and so i wanted to really look into that and then create a character that could go and take those people off the battlefield so um, I have read um, many uh, very, very wise people uh, from Washington or who watch Washington, and there is a problem with our intelligence community. They're, they're now they're starting to say it's almost a fourth branch of government, um, and it silos everything and tells the leaders what they want them to know and silo different branches of the government, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they're running things. This is this is the conjecture that they're actually running things. Is it possible to rein these these intelligence agencies and the DOJ and, you know, State Department? Is it possible to reel them back in? That is the real question. And, uh, you know, they are gigantic bureaucracies with unelected officials that are in place that can just wait out. Uh, any politicians that get elected that do attempt to make changes. Uh, so they are such large bureaucracies. I am not sure. Uh, and that's that's the real question. That's what I explore really in these novels as well. But what's, what's so sad, especially to the citizenry, is that these institutions have been so politicized um, that uh, it's to the detriment of us as the, as the voters, as citizens. And now you have institutions uh, that, uh, that benefit from our division um mainly i'm talking yeah. about obviously the political class and tech and mm -hmm. uh the tech uh, oligarchy and we're walking right into this ambush it's like an l ambush of uh politicians and this uh, this tech monopoly and in we walk here as citizens um and i'm not sure how you how we get out of that but uh they are the ones that directly benefit from this division uh and that includes these institutions that fall under those political classes that have all been politicized, obviously. Um, so how do we get out of that? 
that's that's a question I like to explore in my novels. Uh, and uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I try to remain hopeful publicly. But at the end of the day, when I sit down with my yeah. wife on the couch and we talk about everything going on in the world, it's uh, sometimes difficult with everything going on out there. I know. I know. Um, so we're talking to Jack Carr, um, the uh, the author. Um, it, when we're looking at um, the world right now, I, I look at Ukraine and it just doesn't feel right. We're sending 60 billion dollars over there. Nobody's accounting for it. Um, uh, it's a very dirty country um, as far as corruption. Uh, our leaders Really, I think on both sides, but mainly on the Democrats, but Republicans are not entirely clean either, um, have been, especially the, the Biden has been laundering money, in my opinion, and I think the evidence is pretty strong, over in Ukraine. Um, and it feels like, I don't know, it just feels like the world wants this war to reset everything. How yeah, do you feel but- about Ukraine and where we're going? Yeah, so anytime I, I see anything these days uh, in the news or anything pop up on uh, online, uh, I ask myself, how, what, what action do they want me to take? And how am I being manipulated? Um, and that's maybe a cynical way to look at it, but with so many inputs out there today, so many more than were out there 30 years ago, obviously. 50 years ago, um, you have to ask yourself, how am I being manipulated? What action do these people want me to take? And then look at it through that lens. Um, In my second novel, True Believer, everything is speeding towards a Russian invasion of Ukraine, um, which is causing some issues Mm. with the second season of The Terminalist, if we get one, uh, because now we can't have that plot line because it actually happened. Um, But when you see that happening, you have to ask the why. uh, What lessons can we learn and apply going forward? Uh, Did we possibly make mistakes along the way here that helped uh, help make this happen, essentially? And then you can ask some other questions. Uh, Some of my sources out there are saying, uh, hey, you might want to look into investments that uh, Putin made through uh, relatives and uh, through uh, friendly oligarchs uh, in the days, weeks, months leading up to the invasion of Ukraine and what those same people have done and invested since uh, as far as shorting and futures and that sort of a thing. So it's, it's something that I'm looking into because it's quite possible that, uh, that Putin got even wealthier after the invasion of Ukraine. Oh, I'm sure he did. Uh, and having every, I'm sure he did. <laughs> exactly. And everything being so interconnected at those, those high levels. Um, and we talk about those yeah. 50 intelligence officials that got on TV uh, last fall and uh, told us all uh, that uh, about Russian disinformation as it applied to the, yep. the Biden family. Uh, and those, those, and what, what happened to those, those 50? I think it was 50. Um, well, nothing. Yeah. It's accountability that we have nothing. totally lost. And that accountability, really, that loss of accountability goes back to the end of World War II, really 1947, um, uh, with the establishment of our intelligence agencies and the military industrial complex, as we understand it today. Um, but those were back in the beginnings there. But up until that point, senior military leaders were held to account for their failures. And for whatever reason, after World War II, that stopped happening. Uh, George Marshall held military leaders accountable for what they did uh, before World War II, during World War II. And that's how we got the names that we can all recite today of those generals and admirals that led us to victory. And uh, today we have the exact opposite. And what do we have now also? Well, a recruiting problem for the military. Why do we think that is? Well, because no one has trust in those senior military leaders that are going to be sending young men and women off to war. And uh, so we've lost that trust. That trust has been completely eroded. And that is because of a lack of accountability at those senior levels. 
Yeah, it's not that, I mean, you know, it's not even that I don't trust this commander-in-chief to know what the best thing to do is along with the leadership. But it's also that they, I mean, I don't trust that they're fighting uh, the right fights, that he will pick the right fights or fight the right fights in the right way and the righteous fights. Um, I mean, I just don't know what we stand for right now, and they're they're cleaning out the military and so many people are leaving because of the vaccines and then they're cleaning out the military, you know, doing a, a political purge. It's just a very dangerous time. It really is. I mean, we're so divided. Um, we've been divided before, which gives me hope because we did come back together after after the yeah. Civil War. So I do look at that case uh, to give me a little bit of hope. Um, but many cases were manipulated into that division by the very entities who directly benefit from it. Uh, those politicians and tech companies we talked about. Um, but uh, it's so bad that if one side and quote unquote side says that uh, we need to secure our borders, the other side has to take the opposite position of that opposite. because they can't yeah. possibly find any common ground with the other quote unquote Correct. side. Uh, we've lost all logic yeah. and common sense. And uh, interestingly yeah. enough that George Marshall and Carl von Clausewitz both thought that common sense was the most important attribute of any leader. And we have completely lost that across our uh, politics and our, our discourse in this country, unfortunately. Uh, we're talking to Jack Carr, the author of The Terminal List, which is a book. He's got a series out. Number six is coming out here uh, uh, soon and is also Amazon Prime's adaptation of the first book, The Terminal List, uh, played by Chris Pat Pratt. Book and uh, series absolutely worth watching. Jack, can I ask you to hang on for one minute? I got to do a commercial. I want to ask you about Taiwan uh, and a second season of The Terminal List. Can you hang on? Absolutely. Good. Hang on. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Time passes quickly, and in case you haven't noticed, the seasons build up and turn into years, and the years build up and turn into decades. Before you know it, you've gone from a college kid to a spouse to a spouse to a parent to a parent to a homeowner, and a combination of all those things. So now here you are. How are those things looking for you right now? Do you make enough to support your family and lifestyle? It is crazy times. It is getting more and more difficult. Can you save enough? I want you to take 10 minutes out of your busy day and give American Financing a call. It will not take long. There's no obligation, but you need to see if they could help you save even more than you do already. They're America's home for home loans, and for over 20 years, they've been helping people just like you save a ton of money, refinancing, consolidation, or even just accessing your home's equity. They do it all, and they do it right. It's American Financing. Call them now at 800-906-2440 or go to AmericanFinancing.net. 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. Ten seconds and back to Jack Carr. Jack, thank you so much again for being on with us. I just uh, I, I really enjoy our talks. I really have been looking forward to this uh, conversation for a couple of weeks. Um, the um, let me just ask you about Nancy Pelosi in Taiwan. We normally will send people over to countries like that and then announce the trip after we leave. So you don't put yourself in this situation. 
again, I don't know if it's incompetence or what, but uh, we've been you know, announcing it, haven't even announced a date. And now China said in today's headline, it is uh, those who play with fire get burned and they are really threatening us. I don't think they have the capability at this time to go into Taiwan. But what do we do here and how dangerous is this trip? Well, China has always believed that Taiwan is just a province of China. Um, so it all, a lot of this right. back to us not being able to put ourselves in our enemy's shoes or our opponent's shoes or adversary's shoes and look at the world through their perspective and then make wise decisions based on that. We keep looking at things through this Western lens. We did it in Afghanistan. We did it in Iraq. We're doing it in, uh, in Ukraine, you know, no matter how uh, there's a few different other aspects to that as well. But we've done it to China for the last 50 years. Uh, and we can't seem to get away from that. We, we were very reactionary. Um, uh, and it's one of those one of those places that we thought was just going to take care of itself. Um, and mm-hmm. that's obviously not happened. I mean, since the 70s, really, that's been the policy. If you look all the way through the 80s, we just figure that the Taiwan China situation uh, will just over time, things will settle down. Everyone will uh, kind of join to this new this band of nations that realizes that that capitalism and, uh, and, and free markets are the way ahead and all that sort of thing. So we just let it simmer and now we have a situation that could turn into to burning all of us but it's really because we can't look at things through our enemy's eyes and we think we look at things through a, a four-year type of a, uh, a type yes of eight years for the real deep thinkers among us maybe um, where they're thinking not just decades but they're thinking a century ahead and making moves that yeah. put them in a position of dominance uh, in the years ahead. But they're not thinking of those election cycles. Uh, one, because well, they don't yeah. have to, but uh, they're not short-sighted. We are the short-sighted ones, and we prove that time and time again to the detriment, really, yeah. not just of the United States, but of the world. And we, we this is totally changed. I mean, at least our enemies were our enemies for a long time. We understood that, and uh, and uh, and we're still kind of moving in the same direction. Now we're just flip-flopping around every four years. It's ridiculous. Jack, I'm sorry I'm out of time. Is there going to be a second season terminal list? That's the real question, and uh, you'll be one of the first to know Gotta if be. I get word. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hold you to that. All right, good. Thank you so much. Uh, It has a score of 95 on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics hate it, 39%, but that to me is just an endorsement to make sure you're watching it on Amazon Prime. The Glenn Beck Program. Goldline. Uh, Goldline, we're hitting brick walls everywhere. Um, We have hit it good and fast. And we have a whole contingent of the American public, mostly the press and the Democrats, who refuse to even acknowledge that we've crashed the car and we're in a ditch. I don't think it's drawing too strong of uh, an analogy to think that we are um, in the most dangerous times uh, in our lifetime. I mean, I was born in 64, so I missed the Cuban Missile Crisis. But I think we are we are at those kinds of days where things could change in minutes i want you to call goldline because we are talking about the survival of our country we're talking about the survival of our monetary system and most importantly the survival of you and your family please call goldline right now with every box of 500 of the new silver one ounce benjamin franklin rounds you're going to receive a quarter ounce gold version of the same product for free 
Goldline. Call them right now. Find out if it's right for you. 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Do it now. Get over to blazetv.com. Save 20 bucks off your subscription. blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is unsafe. This is the Glenn Beck program. Oh, man, there has been so many things that have gone on uh, this week. I wanted to bring uh, Carol Roth on. She is the author of The War on Small Business. She is a former investment banker, uh, and she speaks the language of the common man, and she cares more about Main Street than Wall Street. Um, She's here to try to help me make sense of what happened this week. Hi, Carol. How are you? Hey, Glenn. Great to be with you. Happy Friday. Thank you. Happy Friday to you. Okay, so I have several things I want to ask you. So let's see if we can just tick these tick these off here real quick. And then if you want to add something uh, beyond this, I'd love to hear it. Um, we're two quarters now, two quarters of contraction. Uh, they're trying to say that that's, that's not a recession. That is a recession, correct? Glenn, I told you and your listeners about this months ago. I predicted this is what's going to happen because the group that is charged with officially declaring recessions, the National Bureau of Economic Research, or NBER, gives themselves latitude intentionally. Of course they're going to. They can't have political spin. They can't extract a fee. If we can all just look at the data and go, oh, obviously this is a recession. Um, Despite Mm. all of that, we all in the financial media, in the economic uh, predicting realm, everybody colloquially agrees that two quarters of economic contraction is a recession. Because if you have something that doesn't have a definition, people can't understand it. There's no way to create any policy around it. You can't just have correct, something that com- that ha- completely has no definition. So yes, there is, is latitude. And that is why I predicted, given that latitude, that they would do exactly what they are doing now um so the other thing that happened this week where so we we had the announcement we are in a recession no matter what the white house says uh and then the fed increased the rate 75 basis points so we're up to 2.225 or 2 2.5 right um uh and at what point does this become uh a stall of the engine do we have any idea at what point it starts to get dangerous or are we already there so if you believe the sort of economic theory that you know two percent ish is the neutral rate that if everything expands at two percent and the fed funds rate two percent is their target neutral rate then we're just around neutral right now and it shouldn't be that much of a concern frankly we had an artificially depressed set of fed funds rates for a variety of reasons and so bringing that back to a normalized level isn't that bad to get down the inflation that they have caused, they probably need to bring it up a little bit more. Uh, But I do think that (laughs) if we start seeing something that has uh, what we fancy people call a four handle on it, where, you know, it's 4% or higher, um, gets out of the three range, then that's when you're going to start really seeing uh, people freaking out and having a major impact on the economy. But is, 
I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember Volcker, uh, and we had 18, 19% interest rates. And that was just from the inflation that we, we had Jimmy Carter. It was nothing like this inflation. How are we expected to bring inflation down with two, four, five, ten percent 10% inflation? Or, I mean, uh, 10% interest rates. Well, here's the reality is that the Fed's tools aren't going to fix some of the issues. I mean, we have a supply and demand imbalance. So unless the Fed can stop printing money and start printing oil and printing food, they're not going to fix those uh, areas. Yeah. The only thing they can do is completely jam up the economy so bad that we're in a massive recession. And then, you know, everybody's sort of hoarding their money. And that's how those supply and demand metrics come together. But they're really focused on the demand side, not the supply side, what we need to be focused on is how do we get more supply in these key areas so that we balance yeah. out that from the supply side, not the demand side. It's a Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem about 100 years ago, and the line that keeps coming to mind was, we had plenty of money, but nothing our money could buy. Um, so help me out. We're trying, we're fighting inflation. We can't do it really effectively like Volcker did because it would just choke us to death. Um, and then Manchin comes in and we change Build Back Better into something called the Inflation Reduction Act. How can you spend an additional $700 billion and reduce inflation? I, yeah, this is like, I, I might get a little aggro here. This is making me so angry because we were going to throw a parade for Joe Manchin. He was the one that stopped build back broke. He was the one that saved us from even more inflation, taking inflation to hyperinflation. Now, when we're all really happy about then heaping praise upon him, he is backtracking. And so they're like, we're going to go spend a bunch of money to fight inflation. But the reality is Chuck Schumer came out and he said it. This is Green New Deal light. This is about spending more money on their climate hoax yeah. instead of fighting inflation. He put it out there. It's in a tweet on Twitter that I responded to. They're saying the quiet part out loud. They don't care. This is what they're trying to do. And uh, this is why we have... And I'm calling it the Great Recession. So a recession, it, the Great yeah. Recession was from the financial crisis. This is from your wonderful book, The Great Reset. This is the Great Recession. This is in, this is intentional. They are doing this to us on purpose. Yeah, it is incredible that uh, even John Kerry came out and said, we have to do this. We're going to have to spend billions and if not trillions of dollars on this. Uh, and that in the end will be in, uh, anti-inflationary. And it's like that, that, that doesn't even make any sense. That's and worse been, than common core math. And they've been wrong on everything. I mean, these are the people everything. who told us there is no inflation. They told us the way to, to fix crime was to defund the police. They were wrong on COVID. They've been wrong on everything, including the energy transition that's affecting us not only here, but in Europe. And now all of a sudden we're going to say, oh, you're going to know how to do this by spending more money. I mean, it is just basically Congress is just theater and money laundering at this point. So correct me if I'm wrong. Historically speaking, Volcker, when he made the tough decision, um, he made the tough decision to hurt the American com economy, to save the dollar and to save the world's reserve currency. And so we had some credibility. Um, I have been worried ever since uh, TARP that the world is going to despise us because we have we have destroyed the currency 
which is destroying the economies of everyone in the world so we can not suffer. That's what we've been doing. And when I heard Joe Biden say yesterday, well, inflation, but, you know, there's inflation all over the world. I thought, yes, because they (laughs) hold our dollar. Are we not causing the inflation in Germany and every place else? Are we not the root of that problem? I think the central bankers in Europe and Japan and some other areas can share some of the credit. But here is the amazing thing. And you're so spot on about Volcker. You know, back when we really were this world's reserve currency and we had somebody like Volcker who was trying to do the right thing, we had a dilemma, the Triffin dilemma. We've talked about this before, where you have to make a decision. Do you make decisions based on keeping the world currency stable for the world or do you make decisions based on what's right for the United States? Incredibly, we have done neither. We have destroyed the value of the dollar and the purchasing power here in the U.S. And we've also created a horrible situation for everybody around the world. So nobody's happy. And so, yes, we're having an inflationary issue across the world. And now, because of all these other central banks and the strong dollar, we also have a potential debt issue in the emerging markets because all of not only their commodities, but their debt is dollar denominated. Um, last last thing I have on my list is we had some inflation numbers today, but it's not the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, which is at nine point one. I think it's something else, and I think it is. Uh, shoot, I had it written down. The PCE. Uh, what what it was, employer cost? Yeah, index, what, what I is it was? employer cost index? Is what they're talking about. I don't. What is that one? <laughs> so this is a, a subcomponent that's not really one of the core ways that they look at inflation. It's more of an indicator that's stuck in the middle of other indicators. Um, but the ones that you know we're most focused on are the CPI, which is sort of the one that the headline the consumers focused on. The one that the Fed is most focused on is the PCE, which is the personal consumption expenditures, um, and that's a different read. And no surprise that. And hang much on, hang lower. on, just a second. That's the one that they're raising the interest rates and doing all these things to discourage us from buying things, right? They need us to slow down the velocity of money, correct? I mean, I don't know what they're doing because they're trying to get us to, quote unquote, like you said, slow down the velocity of money, slow down our spending, cool demand. But then the government's out you know, sending money to you know everybody spending. in the world and spending more. So I honestly have no idea what they're doing. But yes, theoretically, that that's what they're doing. But the, the PCE number is what the Fed is going to be focused on. It is many percentage points lower than the CPI. So as that comes down, you know, in tandem, you're not going to need to see the CPI at, at three or four for them to feel like they've done what they need to do. And this is the crazy thing. The Wall Street Journal, they every month they go out and they um, interview economists. More than half the economists think by the end of next year that the Fed is going to be cutting rates again. I know so this. This I is read the that. stance. I thought that's yeah. insane. It, it, it is. This is all a game. And they think that they know what they're doing. But the reality of what they're doing is they're creating these boom and bust cycles that benefit the wealthy and wealth connected that wash out the average investor and transfer wealth from Main Street to yes. Wall Street. This is all that they're right. doing. And we have to the, stop it, them. 
It is amazing. I look at this chip thing that they spent, what, another $250 billion on. That is corporate welfare. So that is taking our tax dollars and giving it to these giant corporations. I saw that and I thought all they're doing right now is impoverishing the little person, the person on Main Street that's paying the taxes. They're making it so we don't have any purchasing power. We don't we can't. We can't go anywhere because of the gas. We can't do anything. We'll start to lose our houses. We'll start to default on our loans on our cars. They'll be fine with it. And the government is now saying, I'm your consumer. So you businesses, you do what I say because I'm going to be buying. Isn't that what's happening? Absolutely. As the barbelling of the classes, you're going to have the complete hollowing out of the middle class and the working class. And we've seen this throughout history before. You know, at the late stages of empires, this is what happens where you get that wealth that's concentrated in fewer and fewer hands. And then you have everybody else who's poor and nobody else is in the middle. And that's exactly was my reaction when I saw this. I mean, not to say that we don't need to compete with China, but these are but very you, wealthy you lessen the red tape. Exactly. Yes, you lessen just the lessen tape. the red tape. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, they're just giving more corporate welfare. And by the way, the Elizabeth Warrens in the world who stand up and say bad corporations, they're all going along with this. It's bizarre world. Uh, Carol, thank you so much. I really appreciate all your hard work on this and keeping us informed. You can follow her on Twitter, Carol J. Uh, Carol J. S. Roth, or you can go to carolroth.com, and uh, she's a writer and, and uh, working on a new book that I'm very excited about. Uh, you should announce that at some point. Um, <laughs> but uh, she's also, she also writes uh, for um, theblaze.com and uh, is a frequent guest on this program. Thank you so much, Carol. Appreciate it. Have a wonderful weekend, Glenn. You too. Bye-bye. Our sponsor this half hour is Patriot Mobile. Uh, I'm going to ask you to go out on a limb, not a dangerous one, but an important one, uh, both for your personal finances and for a bigger cause, our country. I want you to check out Patriot Mobile and consider making the switch. In fact, I, I want you to check it out. And then if you find something you don't like, that's fine. But I'm asking you to make the switch today. This is a company that I don't just endorse. I admire. I work with them on their charitable stuff. Um, they are in the same category that we are in. They believe in the same things, and they are putting their money and their effort where their mouth is. First things first, they have to create a great mobile service. So if you are with Verizon or whatever, you're going to find better prices, better packages, something that will fit any budget. Uh, you're going to get the same great service because they're on the same exact cell towers as everybody else. Um, and you're going to get a company that is is actually fighting for the things that we believe in. We have to stop putting our money into companies that are either neutral or negative. Uh, this one is positive on the Constitution. Please make the switch today. Get free activation at 972-PATRIOT. 972-PATRIOT. Free activation. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know. They have special discounts just for you. And free activation at PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Do it now. Stay informed. Sign up for the free newsletter today at GlennBeck.com.
Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. Stu, I've got a date night with my wife tonight. Is there any new movie that is out? That uh, anything opening up this weekend or last weekend? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I know there's a new documentary on Alex Jones that is out, uh, which is okay. No, a not, lot of buzz. not really. Sounds like a date night movie. Have you seen mm-hmm. um, the Elvis movie? I think we talked about this before. Have you seen the Elvis? I movie? have not. I'm worried it might be like the Elton John movie where they sing in it. So I, I have to, I can't watch it. Okay, no, but it, no, it's not a musical. Like, that was kind of a musical yes. where they just broke out into song and stuff. It's not that. This is the story of Elvis, and the guy who plays Elvis, he's Canadian, and he is positively Elvis. You can listen to the soundtrack, and some of the songs are Elvis, some of them are him, and I, I challenge you to know which one is which. Um, mm. Lisa Marie Presley saw it and said... This is our story, and she's like, it's creepy. I'm watching him on the screen, and she said a few times, I didn't know if that was old footage or new footage. It's incredible, and the the story is great. The story is great, and it's not a musical. You should check it out. I think you'd like it. This is the Glenn Beck Program.